0: opulence. That might be the first time I've used that word for a Freddie Mercury composition, but I think I'm going to use it a lot because Mr. Mercury is nothing short of opulent in many of his tracks, and there are some more coming. But today, it is all Queen 2 black side or the evil side or Maybe that's a little harsh. (laughs) Let's call it the impish side. Very appropriate, actually, because we're in some very fantastical work right now. We are right in the middle of the Queen 2 album, yes. And this is track seven of the album. Dive number 17. We're getting into the thick of Queen with the fairy fellers, a master stroke. I've been looking forward to this song because it's short, but oh, how it packs so much stuff, action, rolls, riffs, key changes. We're all over the place here, as we should be with a Freddie Mercury song, Progressive Folk Rock at 159 BPM speeding we're speeding through this (laughs) and of course we are because so much to do in so little time two and a half minutes long and yet verses and verses and solos and instruments and all kinds of things happening here four four time signature that is about the only thing that is super simple about the track one time signature and it's common time But the keys, oh my gosh, guys. E minor, A minor, D minor, F major, B minor, finally, D major. No shortage. (laughs) No shortage at all. And actually, I should correct myself. I think there's both B and B minor here. Yes. Just had to make that little note. What are we singing about? This is very complex, very interesting. A little bit of fun history regarding Freddie's interest in art. This is inspired by the painting of the same name by Richard Dodd. Freddie wrote this song with medieval and fantasy-based lyrics that recognize characters directly from Dodd's poem, elimination of a picture and its subject called The Fairy Feller's Master Stroke. So yeah, very interesting history, influence behind this. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we go through this extensive dive. It's interesting that such a short song is going to be such an interesting, long dive. I'm already predicting it's going to be long and, and we're not even that far into it. Here we go. A brief two and a half minutes, but very intense, this song. Intricate, elaborate, yes, opulent, claustrophobic in a good way. Progressive rock brilliance with harpsichord and piano, played by Freddie, beautifully, I might add. As well as castanets, which is a percussion instrument with sort of these concave shells that make a clicking sound when you clap them together. Those are played by producer Roy Thomas Baker. Hey, hey, a little guest instrumentalist here. We've got innovative panning effects from left to right. Extensive panning effects with lots going on. Creates this expansive wall of sound with complex arrangements. Many vocal and guitar overdubs. And the busyness of this music reflects the chaos and action in the painting itself and the scenes that take place in the painting. Freddie's world-building fantasy in a song is in absolute full force here with lots of lyrics delivered very furiously with beautiful articulation. We've talked about Freddie's ability to so clearly enunciate before. This is one of the finest examples with so many lyrics going on. And this is perhaps the most fantastical and imaginative we get with Freddie, save a few more future tracks we'll go through. This is one of those that really goes into a whole other world. Abundant key changes and shifts in mood. They're perfectly executed by all, especially John on bass and Roger's intricate drumming. Brian's riffs, well... Brilliant. <laughs> what else is there to say? Backing vocals from Brian Roger and Freddie throughout the song. And in general, the vocals are mixed to lower here, which gives the amazing instrumental arrangements room to breathe, shine, and dominate where it's most impactful. So the instruments are like voices themselves. And it's simply, Fabulous. A little bit more about this song. It was only played three times in early 74, notably at the Rainbow Theater in London. There were previously no known live recordings until the release of Live at the Rainbow in 2014. And this recording in particular showcases the amazing playing of John. Not like he's not amazing other moments or all the time, but really here you can hone in on his playing and it's just so gorgeously done. And oh my goodness, just his prowess on the bass is so obvious. It really is. Just go back and listen to it several times and pick a listen to focus on his bass playing. Phenomenal. The vocal power of the boys is really great too, but I kind of sort of really hate the pitch correction on this recording, but such is life, I guess. They, they went back and touched this recording up quite a bit. I think there's been multiple versions with overdubs added over the years and pitch correction done. But if you strip all of that away... You can still tell that this is surprisingly complex playing from the guys, even in this live setting, or should I say, especially in this live setting. But again, you kind of, it's hard to tell exactly what it sounded like at the moment, because you have probably additional overdubs and editing to expand and enhance the real sound as it occurred. Oh well. It's a short and sweet arrangement to play live, but it's very evocative and effective as well, with some really nice falsetto harmonies from Raj. And the instrumental break with Freddie on piano, Brian's ferocious riffs and Roger's accenting snares and cymbals is so good. The transitions are flawless as we expect at this point. Why didn't we get this more live? So sad. That's all I have to say. I genuinely, I really wish they had played this live more. And perhaps... I don't know. Maybe they felt it didn't translate as well. Maybe it was too difficult to get across the immense world that's built in the studio performance of this song. Maybe they felt it didn't have the same effect on the audience. And there's a million reasons to nix this on a set list. But really, really, guys, why didn't you pick this back up and throw it out there? Like, once in the late 70s, just give it to me. When when their live performances were so honed in and incredible. I just, I would have loved to have heard this live one last time. Anyway, I found some cool comments from the band, from the guys about this song. One of them has to do with whether or not this was even considered being released as a single. And I talked about this previously with Ogre Battle just before this, that along with Ogre Battle, the band said that if they had released a second single from Queen 2, it would have been either Ogre Battle or The Fairy Feller's Master Stroke, respectively. So it, interesting to think if they had released it as a single, would they potentially have played it live more? In that case, guys, I wish you to release it as a single, <laughs> Roger said this song was Queen's biggest stereo experiment. And he was referring to the intricate use of the panning in the mix. We talked about that with all of these things going on in the left and right speakers. And I also found some really cool comments from Roger where he said in regards to the lyrics and the world built in this song, he said, quote, where the hell did that come from? (laughs) It was his first thought when Freddie wrote the song. He told Mojo Magazine, quote, it was full of these mystical references. I was always reading Lord of the Rings (gasps) on a personal note. Oh my gosh, I am geeking out about that. One of my favorites, Awesome Roger. Back to his quote. Of course, Heinlein, Asimov, C.S. Lewis, sci-fi. But I never once saw Freddie with a book. But he had all of these words about this painting. Fred was like a magpie. He had this very sharp brain, but he was not what you'd call a well-read man. (laughs) Interesting comments, interesting take on Roger's perception of the fairy fellers' masterstroke. I love reading about other guys' comments when they're talking about someone else's song because it just adds another dimension to it, right? Because we're obviously getting from Freddie this love for this painting and the art and the, the myth behind it. You can tell how enthusiastic he is about this. And from Roger's perspective, he's just like wowed that this guy that never really read anything to his knowledge has all of this insight and detail behind a painting. It's just interesting how they relate to each other and how they perceived each other. Fun facts, whenever Queen had spare time, Freddie would drag them to London's Tate Gallery, where this painting still is, by the way, and they'd look at the painting. (laughs) It's such a cute little personal note that he loved this thing so much that he would take them there to undoubtedly browse through other works as well. I, I imagine it influenced them to a certain extent, even not just Freddie, but all of them perhaps. Now, Dodd, who painted the painting, remember, he did the painting between 1855 and 1864 while he was incarcerated during confinement after he murdered his father. Wow. That's pretty heavy stuff, right? Also, the use of the word query, which means inquire, by the way. It's the twice-repeated line in the song, What a Query Fellow has no reference to Freddie's sexuality, according to Raj. Freddie simply used it because it rhymed with fairy, you know, what a query, fellow, fairy. And I can only assume that people might have misheard it thinking that it meant queer or something like that, but it actually is Q-U-A-E-R-E. That's your, your little word lesson for the day. And without further ado, guys, we're going to dive right into the details of this song and take a deep breath and hold it because this is all going to pass in a flash, but there's so much to talk about. Hang on tight. This is going to be a wild ride. A clicking of guitar overlaps with the fading of the massive gong from Ogre Battle and its end. And then... A harpsichord, yes, and it's Freddie playing that lovely man giving us a twist. It immediately creates this otherworldly ethereal vibe for the song, it's perfect. And then a whistle comes in, super playful, pounding guitar, drums, bass, I can't keep up with this. It moves fast, it changes key fast, the rhythm shifts fast. Tonality here is fleeting and weak, but it makes for this swirling effect of sounds all sparkly, surprising. And Freddie sings effortlessly. He falls over his own vocals, harmonizing with himself. To swing his axe, he swears, as he climbs, he dares to deliver the master stroke. Yep, this song is partially about a guy chopping wood with many people watching. Into the second verse, the mood shifts from a lighthearted, tinkling sound to something harder, heavier, moodier, a little bit more straightforward rhythmically. And it's classically influenced, it feels like, with accidentals, those lovely lyrics continue, pedagogue squinting, wears a frown, and a satire appears under lady's gown. So playful, so freddy. A perfect storytelling summary of the painting. We're still in the first minute of the song, by the way. Then a tinkling of piano on the left and harpsichord on the right, capped off by shimmering cymbals and prominent drums. The verse continues with heavier guitars in unison with always powerful bass. An appearance of glissando ahs from the boys as this verse concludes every beat, every note, every embellishment is so incredibly perfectly placed and performed. Then this bridge, unrelenting drum beat, the rising ahs and sweeping harmonies, a change in key, a gorgeous mess of harpsichord arpeggios mirrored with more ahs falling down the scale. It's like this threatening, enchanting wall of sound with a lovely little guitar riff from Brian. We get a great contrast of major and minor, so B and B minor battling against each other on the right and the left respectively. There's some absolutely incredible work from Freddie on the harpsichord. Crank it up, go back and listen to it if you miss it, because it's such a shame. It's so mixed in with the sounds. It is as it should be sonically, but man, you want to try to hear that if you can. Then we get some more great lyrics. Soldier, sailor, tinker, tailor, plowboy, waiting to hear the sound. Ah, oh, Freddie, this is brilliant with these words. It's totally innate, this ability to deliver a line with cheeky, youthful, and magical energy like that. And I love Brian's rich, warm guitar chords here. Verse three continues this brilliance and in it, Brian's guitar sounds like a pan flute briefly. What? So incredible. It's one of my favorite moments in the song. Then one last bit, the clever outro with the lyric, come on, Mr. Feller, crack it open if you please. There's an abrupt halt, softens down, a key change, and... And I almost want to say and scene <laughs> because of the nature of this song. It's all about the story and the chaos of the painting. If you look at this painting, and I'll link to it so it's easy to find. If you look at it, it's busy. There's a lot going on. Clearly, when Dodd painted this thing, there was a lot going on in his head. And it's indeed chaotic. It's detailed. There's characters all over the place. And you really get a sense of, oh, now I understand what Freddie is singing about. It's so interesting to see the correlation between the painting and how he captured it sonically in this song. It's intriguing. And I think it definitely showcases Freddie's love and appreciation for the art world and how much he enjoyed diving into these fantasies and these myths about these people and creatures and their lifestyles and what they did and what they loved. It was more than just the appearance of something that was fantastical. It was the lifestyle of the fantastical. I love that. I love that we get that piece of Freddie here more prominently than probably any other song Even My Fairy King, which came before this, this is much more imaginative and expanded and it's a lot of fun and it's gorgeous. The Fairy Feller's Master Stroke. Ladies and gents, go listen to the Live at the Rainbow recording. Yes, it's pitch corrected. Yes, it's probably been overdubbed, but you'll certainly get a great feel for the way it was played and the immense power that the guys, of course, always brought to the table when they performed live. Just go enjoy it, kick back, get lost in the fantasy world. I will be back next time to talk more about the black side, the impish side of Queen 2 as we continue rolling through these Queen deep dives. In the meantime, of course, keep yourselves alive. Keep some sunshine in your life. I know that sounds cheesy and corny, but take it in. Soak it up. The sun is coming out. It is officially spring. I actually missed... The first day of spring. I'm disappointed in myself. (laughs) I usually count down to longer days and can't wait for them to come. But as we know, time has been kind of strange the last year. (laughs) Kind of irrelevant. But here we are going into the next season. So soak it in, get some sunshine, kick back with some queen, crank it up in the car. Hang in there, shiny people. I'll be back.